0: Hit the guys up on the Law Offices of Rod Poulston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line at 405-329-9000. Or shoot the guys a text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, here's Mike Steely
1: and Parker Thune. All right, welcome in, everybody, here on a Wednesday edition of Steelman and Thune here on the Home for Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network. Hope everybody's doing all right, and welcome aboard. Our first hour is always brought to you by our friend Tim Lasher and his great company, Lasher Home Comfort Systems. Uh, Parker is back in studio, the Brown Haber Studios. I am uh, still at the COVID CASA dealing with this stuff and it's very minor, but it's uh, majorly annoying. I can tell you that. And uh, hopefully it's just about run its course. I'm feeling fine, but it's again a little bit of runny nose and tiny bit of sore throat. It's so uh, just irritating. Parker, how we doing? everything good? Everything is good,
2: Mike, and I tell you what despite all of the chaos surrounding this Oklahoma football program over the last what six weeks, there's still a lot to be optimistic about. And, no uh, doubt. I take it that, uh, obviously, with Todd Bates newly hired, Jay Velay expected on the way, those won't be the only splashes that Oklahoma makes in terms of compiling a staff under Brent Venables in the days ahead. By the way, found out last night, Phil Lodholt's coming back, Mike.
1: I love that, man. I love Phil Lodholt coming back to be part of the uh, support staff at Oklahoma. was a great offensive lineman for the Sooners, went on to the NFL uh, cleared a lot of holes for ad with the Minnesota Vikings back in the day so yeah he he's a uh, he's a, a big time sooner and coming back home to uh, help out on the staff so I like that a lot uh, the news yesterday also uh, that uh, Mario Williams is officially in the portal we knew that was going to happen now it's Mario Williams is awaiting Caleb's decision Caleb Williams decision so uh, any idea the timetable on that when you think uh that could happen at this point parker
2: yeah i i can't give you a reliable ballpark i just know it's probably not going to come immediately because caleb and his family are on vacation right now it's going to He's ha- not
1: even officially in the portal yet is exactly, he
2: exactly exactly and I that's mean, the other thing he's not wow. he's not officially in the portal and the other thing you got to keep in mind is this decision is going to have to be done Before he enrolls in classes, wherever he ends up, whether that's back at Oklahoma or whether that's elsewhere. Now, Oklahoma starts back on January 17th. Some schools across the country, like UCLA, for instance, which is where Dylan Gabriel was going to go before things changed with that situation. Some schools like that have already started their spring semester, Mm -hmm. so... I think a I think lot of it it,
1: January 10th for Georgia is what I saw for uh, being enrolled for the next semester. so So yeah, I, I, know, I really can't
2: imagine this process dragging out for much longer than about a week or so. I really do think we'll know probably within the next week to a week and a half at the very latest where whether Caleb Williams is staying or whether he's going.
1: So uh, we knew that Mario Williams came to the University of Oklahoma to play, uh, you know, with Caleb Williams. And, you know, he had a pretty good freshman year. There's no doubt the kid is a big-time talent, and, uh, you know, you would hate to lose him, and you will if you lose Caleb Williams. But uh, we'll just have to wait and see what's going to happen here. Uh, I I feel like Jalil Farouk was one of those guys you almost automatically put in the category of well, if Caleb Williams leaves, Jalil Farouk's gone. And Jalil Farouk, you know, he didn't do a lot his freshman year, but he was really, really good in the Alamo Bowl. And the kid's talented. It feels like he's going to stay. And it feels to me, so far, at least, Parker, that there's a good chance that Marvin Mims still could stay. I would say maybe a better chance for Jalil Farouk staying if uh, Caleb leaves. And maybe Marvin at sixty forty something like that? What do you think?
2: Yeah, I think the odds are leaning towards Marvin Mims coming back, which is outstanding, right? Because, look, you can lose Mike Woods, you can lose Mario Williams, what have you, Jaden Hazelwood in terms of the receiving core. But the one guy that you want back in an Oklahoma uniform in 2022 at the wide receiver position is Marvin Mims because when he is fully healthy, And he is at the top of his game. There are very few wide receivers. I mean, maybe three or four in the country that are more all-around dangerous than Marvin Mims. So as long as he is back in the Crimson and Cream in 2022, whether it's Caleb Williams or Dylan Gabriel flinging the passes, the Sooners have a dynamic receiving weapon on their hands and a guy that very realistically could make a push at the Boletnikoff Award in 2022.
1: Yeah, he has that kind of ability. I don't think there's any doubt about it. I'm interesting to, interested to see what uh, Theo Weiss does coming back again. You've got Drake Stoops, you have Brian Darby, Cody Jackson, Trayvon West made some plays last year for Oklahoma. Uh, the freshman, Jaden Gibson, coming in. Another freshman, Nicholas Anderson, Rodney's uh, younger brother, coming into the University of Oklahoma. And I would bet there would be some help in the transfer portal, including one guy who played, Uh, with Dylan Gabriel at UCF, another Hawaiian kid. That's a possibility we hear now, Parker, uh, that could be headed eventually to Oklahoma.
2: That's right, Mike. And, you know, all the the portal movement I think will be very interesting to watch in the days ahead just because, you know, we kind of got the sense at the beginning that Brent Venables wasn't going to utilize the portal heavily. And as time has passed and as the days have gone by since he was named Oklahoma head coach, You've begun to get the sense that that couldn't be further from the truth, that Oklahoma is going to make a very significant play into the portal beyond what they've already added, which you look at Daniel Parker and you look at McCade Mattire uh, that have already come to Oklahoma via the portal. Uh, I, I You don't want to get too optimistic as to some of the targets that are out there, but You know, with the brand that Oklahoma has established for itself and will always have as a university and as a football program, this is a school that's going to be in play for some big, big names via the portal, if for no other reason than the fact that it's the University of Oklahoma.
1: Yeah, good point. No doubt about it. They're always going to be – you know, those prospects out there that will be seeking out the University of Oklahoma if they feel like, hey, that's a great spot for me right now. I mean, all you have to do is look at what Dylan Gabriel did. I mean, he was going to play at UCLA, and I know UCLA isn't Oklahoma in football, but they've got a pretty pretty, uh, well-respected offensive mind out there in Chip Kelly, and the minute he saw an opportunity at Oklahoma, it was boom. He was coming to Norman. So, And it looks like he's excited about, uh, you know, playing at Oklahoma, and we'll see maybe – Uh, Would there be, if Caleb Williams decides to come back, would there be, uh, first of all, I don't know how much of a quarterback competition it would be, would you think immediately that Dylan Gabriel would say, all right, I'm going somewhere else, or do you think we might see uh, maybe Dylan Gabriel trying to compete with uh, Caleb Williams for that job if Caleb comes back?
2: No, I think you'd have a competition on your hands, and I think Dylan Gabriel has to understand right that it's no guarantee that he's going to yeah. be the starter He said in it in the tweet, 22. right? And yeah, Liza he, he gamble, expressed that in the tweet. Roll the look, dice. Yeah, Lisa gamble, roll the dice. He understands that there's a chance Caleb Williams comes back, but you also got to keep in mind, Dylan Gabriel, if things don't work out for him at Oklahoma, he's got three years of eligibility left as yeah, things stand right, right now, and he could go somewhere else as a graduate transfer and look for an opportunity to put up a couple more years of tape if things fell into place in that fashion. But... No, I think he steps in fully under the uh, impression and with the understanding that Caleb Williams might be back, and if he's back, he's probably the starter for Oklahoma in 2022.
1: Mm-hmm. Think about that, though, Oklahoma fans, and I know there's a uh, there's a group of OU fans out there right now, and I understand it, man. You've been through the ringer emotionally, uh, you, you you know, you've you had this... Horrible feeling, anger, despair when Mule Shoe went out to L.A. Then you had the feel-good moment when Brent Venables lands at Max Westheimer Airport here in Norman. You're feeling great. You're loving what he's saying. You go win the Alamo Bowl, and then, boom, you get the second jolt uh, with Caleb Williams. And speaking of Brent Venables and maybe his thoughts on the portal, Parker, you know, this could be, and I'm not saying he would totally dismiss it. I don't think he would. But... When you talk about who they've gotten through the portal so far, but when you lose Nick Benito and Isaiah Thomas and on Winfrey and Brian Osimo and DTY and Kennedy Brooks and Marquise Hayes, Tyrese Robinson, Jaden Hazelwood, Mike Woods, Gabe Burkitch, now Mario Williams is in the portal. Caleb will officially be in the portal soon. And you got That's a lot of pieces you've got to replace, and the easiest way to do that is through the portal. It's the microwave meal. And, you know, sometimes you can get a really good microwave meal, right? I mean, so I I think this may be a very unique situation in the way that Brent Venables addresses the portal. Not saying that he will totally dismiss it. I don't think he will. But I don't think you'll see as many wholesale, uh, you know, situations like this where they're going to have to add maybe more than they would like through the portal. And that's
2: probably in all likelihood the case, right? You're probably not going to have a situation like this going forward in the Brent Venables era where you have this much turnover. And how many programs do experience this much turnover over the course of a month, Mike? Both yeah, this with regard is crazy. To personnel and coaching staff. Like This legitimately is we – we're in uncharted waters as it pertains to Oklahoma as a football program. But amidst it all – You have the steady hand at the tiller in Brent Venables. He is assembling an all-star staff. He's getting guys both on the recruiting trail and via the portal that have an expressed desire to be at the university of Oklahoma and be part of what Venables is building. And there's not that much to be concerned about with this program heading into 2022. And I know nationally there's a, you know, there's all that buzz about how oh, Oklahoma's in trouble, right? Oklahoma could be in deep, deep trouble based on the way that things continue to unfold. I'm not convinced that that's the case. I think once you get Venables instilling his culture and with the star-studded staff that he is has assembled and is assembling, and you have a lot of talent returning in 2022, sure, you're going to lose a good bit of it, but you got guys coming back that have played some really good football at Oklahoma. I, I don't know that there's going to be that much of a drop-off, Mike. I don't think there will be. Yeah.
1: The National Pundits, again, they're not taking the deep dive into what has happened since all these guys left and since Muleshoe went out to L.A. And they just see oh, well, you know, Muleshoe's gone, and now Kayla Williams wants out. And, oh, my gosh, what's going on here? You know, uh, what's going on is maybe Oklahoma takes a short-term hit next season. I don't think it's going to be a big one. Uh, They've got an excellent opportunity to go to win the Big 12. And uh, who knows? Nobody expected the 2000 team to win a national championship. I think they started out, what, like 22 in the country in the preseason poll. I don't think they'll do that, but I think they'll be fine. And I think over the long haul, long term, they're in a better spot. They are in a better situation than they would have been uh, with Muleshoe, in my opinion. Physicality is coming back. Better defense is coming back. Uh, I, I just think there's going to be a, a more of more these guys are going to be bought into playing Oklahoma football, not to say the other guys weren't, but it looks like the head coach certainly wasn't for a portion of that season. So I think they're going to be better off with of Brent. I really do. I think it's going to be a better situation. All right. Uh, thank you again to Tim Lasher, Lasher Home Comfort Systems, for sponsoring our first hour here on Steelman and Thune. Uh, we'll take a quick break right here. When we get back, we'll hear what Bob Stoops had to say about Caleb going into the portal. Coming up at 1235, Kelly Hines will join us from the Tulsa World. Kelly covering uh, Golden Hurricane football, doing a great job for a long time now. She'll tell us all about Jackson Player, a defensive lineman for the Golden Hurricane who could be headed to Oklahoma and looks like probably is. Going to wind up at the University of Oklahoma. All that coming up at 12:35 with Kelly. We're just getting started, folks. Thank you for being here, and we're coming right back.
0: This is your home for Sooner Fans: The Ref Sports Radio Network.
1: Okay, welcome back. A uh, little Boston bumper coming back. That, that, that reminds me of uh, Brian Kelly last night. Oh, my gosh. Are you kidding me? In the uh, Texas Bowl where Kansas State took down LSU. I know LSU didn't have a, uh, a very robust squad out there for that matchup last night, but that was fun to see. Uh, but Brian Kelly with the interview and the accent and what he was saying and like, I'm from Boston, we don't have accents. Really? Really? Is there uh, the Bostonian accent? That accent. I mean, that's maybe as strong an accent as there is in the United States. It's like one of the most iconic accents, Mike. Yes. Like, what is what is Brian remember.
2: Kelly getting at here?
1: What is his endgame no with all idea. Of this? Man, the guy's a good football coach, but oh my gosh, what a buffoon! I remember Bobby Witt when he uh, I I was doing OU baseball when Bobby Witt was pitching for Enos Seymour back in the day. Again, yes, that's how old I am, folks. That's how old I am. And he was the Cannon from Canton. He was from Canton, Massachusetts. And I remember that one time uh, we couldn't get out of an airport, so we had to drive back from uh, one of the road trips uh, because there was ice and everything. So uh, we had to go rent cars to come back. And I can remember Bobby Witt asking Coach, "Where the cars?" We got to get the cars, you know. Um, so Brian Kelly apparently, you know, there's he doesn't notice anything accident-wise in Boston. That guy, unbelievable. We got some real weasels in college football right now, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, the two biggest reside in L.A. and now in Baton Rouge. They have changed the game with their selfishness and their weaselness. And their culpability in being a couple of the first stones thrown at college football. That could completely destroy the game we love. That's how I feel about them. No real feeling, but, yeah, actually there is. There's still a lot there. There's some anger. All right, uh, so Caleb Williams is going to the portal. He is not officially in the – I guess he's got, like, his boarding pass right now, Parker, but he's not on the plane yet.
2: Yeah, it's kind of a weird like situation, a, isn't it? He makes the announcement, it? and then almost forty-eight hours later, he's still not officially in the portal. Like, what? Are, what are you waiting on here?
1: I mean, he's. Uh, maybe you can't enter the portal from Hawaii. Maybe that's it. I don't know, but or maybe he's like the uh, the old dad in the progressive commercial. Any idea when we're going to be boarding Group C? Two hours and forty-eight minutes, sir. You know, I don't know, but. Uh, We know that he's going in, and we know that he's going to, you know, weigh his options. He and his family, they're going to look at all the opportunities out there. There's a possibility, of course, he could come back to Oklahoma. Could happen. Uh, But it certainly was not good news for Oklahoma when this development came up, when we started hearing the buzz. And I think people kind of turned their heads a little bit. Wait, did I just hear him uh, at the postgame say, we'll see how they do? And, you know, he kind of separated himself uh in a way from the university of oklahoma now uh, we don't know if it's a temporary separation or not or maybe they'll be reunited and it feels so good we can play some peaches and herb when he comes back but we don't know here's what bob stoops had to say on the rush yesterday with uh, tyler and teddy talking about uh caleb williams now on his way to the portal well fortunately he and his team of in his parents uh you know let us know that they thought that was the best way to proceed and we understand that i mean you know i i think as much as anything as long as we're part of the discussion we understand you know and that's okay um you know to see what else what other opportunities there may be but long as we have a chance to be in the discussion you know i i i feel confident we'll put our best foot forward and you know and have an opportunity to to have Caleb continue with us. But, you know, it's not a done deal, of course. But, again, long as we have an opportunity, I think we've
0: got a great great chance.
1: There you go. Bob Stoops talking about uh, Caleb and, uh, you know, going to the portal. Nothing official yet, obviously, on the decision because he's not even officially in the portal yet. So uh, has Bob Stoops not become like a calming voice for the Sooner Nation now? I mean <laughs> – he needs to do like a an old school fireside chat. We could bring out the old radios and gather around the fire with the kids and just listen to Bob Stoop's Calm the Sooner Nation.
2: I mean, that's really like if you if you associate Oklahoma football with one man at this point in time, like maybe six weeks ago it was Lincoln Riley to some people, maybe it was Caleb Williams, maybe it even was Baker Mayfield for some Sooner fans that you know, haven't quite let go of the glory days of years past and the guy that embraced the uh, the university more so than we've ever seen any player, at least in the modern era, do so. But the unquestioned face of Oklahoma football right now, even though Brent Venables is the new head coach, it's Bob Stoops, Mike. This is the guy that everybody is like, there, there should be a bat signal for Bob Stoops. Whenever there just needs to be just a visor that appears <laughs> you know. Whenever like above just... the
1: Devon Tower or above the dorms, there's just a there's just a visor that says Bob on it.
2: Whenever the I like that. the tempest needs to be stilled. Someone just needs to hit the Bob signal and dial up Bob Stoops so he can be the voice of reason amidst the uh the storm.
1: Yeah, and uh you know they are uh... I don't know. It, it kind of sounds to me we had the joint statement released by uh, Joe C. and Brent Venables. Uh, you don't see that very often, but you also see a player the the caliber of Caleb Williams very often. You heard Bob was very calm in his assessment on the rush yesterday. It, it's almost as if, you know, they, they want to have this guy back. They'd love to have this guy back. No, no doubt about it, but it, it's Oklahoma. They're not going to panic. They're not going to Freak out if Caleb Williams all of a sudden next week says, Guys, it's been fun. I'm going to Notre Dame or whatever. Uh, they feel like, and you could tell, Parker, that they had a plan in place. We've always said when Josie's always got a list of coaches, and they were ready, you know, the minute they heard the, the Caleb news that, hey, boom, look who wants to come to Oklahoma. Look, look who's on his way to Oklahoma, Dylan Gabriel. Uh, and it happened. Boom, just like that. So, uh, again, I would say they they want him back. They'd love to have him back. But if they don't get him back, you know, just look forward and look forward to what you have with Brent Venables. As you said, the thing that's getting lost in this somewhat in all the player movement is the fact that Brent Venables' staff looks incredible. I mean, when you add Todd Bates the way they did the other day, so respected, such a great recruiter, and he's done so much for defensive linemen at Clemson, getting them to the NFL. And then you're going to add Jay Ali to that. You bring uh, Phil Lodeholtz along on your support staff. Uh, you know what uh, everybody was thinking about? Well, you know, Brent's a defensive guy, and his defenses have been great at Clemson. He had a you know a, uh, a big chunk of his time at Oklahoma. They were really good defensively too. But they got to bring in a really good offensive coordinator, and you you get Jeff Levy. I mean, they've hit it out of the park with this coaching staff.
2: They have, and by the way, I can share this publicly now because uh, our guy Brandon Drum has come out and said it in the public eye, but it's looking like Oklahoma's about to hire a new recruiting coordinator, and it looks like that guy is going to be J.R. Sandlin, who has – A ton of respect nationally as a recruiting mind and somebody that has been instrumental in a number of recruiting departments at the FBS level. He most recently was at Jacksonville State, spent time at Notre Dame, spent time at Tennessee. That's a guy, I mean, you just look at his Twitter presence, Mike. He's got something like 90,000 Twitter followers. So that is a man of influence, a man who is, as I mentioned, very well-respected in the college football community and if he is indeed the higher man between him Drew Hill Chip Viney everybody involved in Oklahoma's recruiting office that i mean you got the beginnings of a dynasty on that side of things
1: yeah, and uh, I wonder what the recruiting budget's going to look like because uh, Oklahoma's, don't get me wrong, it's it's a nice chunk of money that they're spending on recruiting, but it's not quite there with Bama and Georgia and some of the other schools around the country. I wonder if that's going to increase as well, if that's something that Brent talked about during the hiring process. But uh, it's looking really good for Oklahoma based on what happened on that fateful Sunday, Bloody Sunday, when Shoe packed his bags, shouldn't have never hired a guy from Tech, and uh, went out to L.A., and people are thinking, oh, my gosh, what's going to happen? I mean, is the program, are we going to be looking at a pile of rubble in Norman, Oklahoma, with the football offices and everything? No. They have uh, reacted very well. Uh, first of all, you have a great A.D. in place to take care of things and not panic. And be patient, but be uh, forward-thinking, as Josie always is, and they've come back, and they've done an excellent job. So things are looking good for OU. And now the, the next big thing is awaiting this uh, decision, obviously coming up from Caleb Williams. And uh, you'll probably get the J. Belai news, um, you would think, the day after the, the championship game next Monday. So maybe that comes down right before uh, the Caleb Williams decision comes down, which I'm with you. I think it happens sometime next week. All right, let's break right here. Mike Steele, Parker Thune with you. It is Steelman and Thune here on the Home of Sooner Fans, the Ref Radio Network on a Wednesday. I'm still here at the COVID CASA. Parker back in studio. We'll head to the Air Comfort Solutions text line 405-651-3439. 405-651-3439. Kelly Hines coming up next. And we'll talk about this Jackson player kid, the defensive line from, from Tulsa, who looks like he's on his way to OU. We'll get into that when we get back. Easy,
0: take it easy. Don't let the sound of your own wheels drive you crazy. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network.
1: All right, welcome back. Hope your Wednesday's going well. Mike Steely, along with Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon here on the home of Sooner fans, the Ref Radio Network. Thanks again to our friend Tim Lasher over at Lasher Home Comfort Systems for sponsoring our first hour here on the program. We welcome in uh, Kelly Hines, Tulsa World, does an excellent job covering TU Sports and uh, Kelly, uh, Jackson Player. Uh, leaving Tulsa, and he listed his top five schools yesterday: the defensive lineman, Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Arkansas, Baylor, and TCU. A lot of people think he's headed to OU. Uh, what can you tell us about this kid? What kind of player is Player?
3: Um, I am a huge Jackson Player fan, so um, it's kind of uh, bittersweet to see a, a player um, who you've covered for you know his entire college career decide to go a different direction, but. Um, you know, he is someone who has been a factor, um, throughout his whole career. Um, you know, when he's playing more on special teams, um, he was blocking kicks more than anything else. He has four blocked kicks in his career and, um, you know, just playing on the defensive line has a lot of versatility. Um, you know, he was overlooked in high school because he's, you know, listed at six feet tall, but he's, he's low to the ground and he has that very explosive first step and, You know, with Tulsa's um, 3-3-5 alignment, you know, he's getting double teamed on every play. And still, you look at his stats, and they're incredible. He's extremely disruptive. Um, Can't say enough, really, about his ability, but also just who he is as a person. I really like how he carries himself with confidence and um, really just a ton of fun to cover um, just because he could make these big plays and big games. Seemed to rise to the occasion quite a bit throughout his career. And, um, you know, I, I, really thought that he was going to, um, leave to you and, and, you know, declare for the draft. I thought that was going to be the next step for him, but, um, you know, whatever feedback he got, um, I guess, you know, it wasn't, wasn't quite what he wanted to hear. So, um, for him to, uh, look at his options, you can never fault someone for doing that. So, um, I felt that list of his top five, really good list. Um, all of those places make sense for him. I kind of, Think more about TCU because that's where Joseph Gillespie is now, and that was um, to use defensive coordinator for all of Jackson's time at TCU.
2: Okay, so give us the background a little bit on Jackson player Kelly because uh, obviously signed with the class of 2018 at Tulsa, former high school teammate of former Oklahoma quarterback and now SMU quarterback Tanner Mordecai at Midway. Down in Waco, but covering this team on a day in, day out basis. At what point did you realize in Jackson Player's career? Oh, this dude isn't just good; he's special.
3: Man, I just remember when when um, when he committed to T U and seeing what he was doing as a senior, you know, that was a team that I think made it to the state championship game and, and lost that that was their only loss of the season. So I just remember following him then and being like, Oh my gosh, this I think this kid is you know, he was on he was really good on a really good team. Um, you know, even though he was only, I think, a three star guy, um, I know how uh fired up you was when he signed. And then, you know, he he played quite a bit as a true freshman and you saw him um have these moments you know I think it was um when he was a true freshman he he blocked um a PAT um that season and really just built you know continued to build on that um throughout his career you know he he I think became a starter um you know in his second year and um you know I, I think it was probably more in in his Um, in the 2020 season when he really uh, broke out and had, you know, a really remarkable season. But everyone at the time was talking about Zayvon Collins, but Zayvon Collins couldn't have done what he did if not for Jackson player Um, with Jackson being able to really just anchor um, the defensive line. And like I said, you know, being, a, you know, one of three guys up front, that's a lot of responsibility that you have. And um, he helped – even be successful but you know jackson was a huge part of, of the defensive success in 2020 that you know helped you you know finish runner-up in the american
1: kelly Hines, tulsa world joining us here on uh, the program on this wednesday now i i've got to ask you uh following your twitter timeline um you have uh, been through quite the adventure kelly I, I saw that you went to a wedding right and the groom didn't show up it's like you you were in the opening scene of a rom-com in a movie or something it was you got to tell us about that 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 was bizarre you got to tell the story there
3: oh my gosh it was really rough so um the bride is a good friend of mine um she's actually my neighbor sweetest lady ever um had never been married before and um her uh fiance was in the military and was retiring from the military and um they were gonna he was gonna you know move here settle down they were gonna you know start their lives together everything was going great you know up up until uh you know when he didn't and i'm not trying to make light of this it's just it's been is i i i'm really invested in this in this story and it it's one of those things that we're still in the rom-com because there's not like that ending to it yet um Mm -hmm. but and it's really not it really hasn't been funny to this point um but uh you know friday you know they had this um beautiful wedding um that was scheduled to occur and i i um i I don't know i just had a weird feeling about it and but i i you know wanted to support my friend and so i i you know you you know how you show up to weddings early and um i just had a weird vibe i don't know i can't even explain it and so the wedding's supposed to start at one and it was like a smaller gathering because there is still a pandemic. But I've been asked this multiple times on Twitter, but I have to, you know, put this out there. Everybody was wearing masks and socially distanced and everyone I, I knew of who was there was fully vaccinated. So if people want to just get off my back about that one part, it'd be great. Um, but uh, not that many people there. And then it gets to be, you know, like one thirty. It still hasn't started. One forty-five, And I'm just like, you know, I have other. This is New Year's Eve. I have other things I want to do with the day. And, uh, long story short, I guess, um, my friend, the bride, uh, just, just walked down. It's obvious something was happening at that point. Things were not going well. She walked down the aisle without like music or anything and just was there with her entire wedding party and just said that the, uh, the groom had a change of heart and, uh, she was like incredible with how she handled it. She's like, I'm a grown woman. I, I'm, I can get through this. I've gotten through a lot of things in life. I can get through this, but everyone else is like, I mean, I'm crying and I'm not really a person who cries. And, uh, it just, it was, <laughs> it was the saddest wedding reception of all time because we all stayed there and ate because all the food was catered and it was there. Um, well, was the food good I, at least? I, the food is excellent. It was really okay, good. Good. Um, good. I felt like super guilty enjoying the food, um, <laughs> it was it was the craziest thing I've ever experienced, and I'm like I may sound like flippant when I talk about it, but I'm still in like complete shock that it happened because um, I don't even know that was just the yeah. wildest thing I've ever That's been crazy. a part of. And I I I finally they were going to cut the cake, and I finally had to leave. I'd been there for like three hours, you know. I was like I I I feel wow. Like they still really cut strange. the cake
1: and serve the cake and everything. Yeah, I I mean the
3: cake was beautiful. I mean, I'm sure the whole thing was really expensive, (laughs) but you know there was another wedding that was happening at that same venue like that night. So they had to like clean up everything, and like I took like the like you know they had these little um like gourmet chocolate things as like you know favors for people who uh, attended, and I felt really guilty taking them, but I was like I kind of want that.
1: Well, hey, I think you made the right move. This is the era of get what's yours. It's the portal era. It's the nil. (laughs) If that chocolate had your name on it, you know, and it looked good, why not? I would have done the excellent. same
3: thing. I, I ate it and I felt a little bit bad about it because I, <laughs> you know, I and I checked on my friend and she's doing okay, all things considered. Um, I have a lot of unanswered questions. Um, but I Yeah, we like, had
1: the runaway um, bride, not, uh, I guess that's been over a decade, the runaway bride, but now we have the runaway groom. Uh, so yeah. this, this dude, how old was this guy? Do we know General? age range um
3: like probably like 50 i don't i'm not really okay. sure
1: so this guy basically lincoln riley the bride
3: there were a lot of comments on twitter because I, I was in such shock that i didn't even know like how to deal with it so of course i go to twitter because that seems like a, a logical thing oh, to do. So and that, I have a that, lot of that was comments.
1: quite entertaining though it was it was good to read the comments and your reactions
3: the it, comments it was nice. were, I mean, a lot of people said, Well, that's what she gets for scheduling, um, a wedding, you know, on, on the day of, you know, college football playoff and all yeah, you know, yeah. all these games going on. But like Maybe. not everybody's lives like revolve around college football, you know. I mean, I know most of ours do, but not everyone. So I don't really think that was a factor. I just remember talking to her, you know, when they're in the planning stages, how excited she was to like bring in the new year and have a wedding on the same day. And I've been to many weddings on New Year's Eve. Like that's not that unusual. Um, but that was definitely a more memorable experience, although it wasn't truly a wedding. It was just a reception of sorts. Um, just, and I, I, I feel
1: really bad for her, um, but I yeah, definitely feel like she's
3: going to be better off without that guy. It,
1: it was it was entertaining uh, Twitter fodder, though, uh, no doubt. But hopefully they—I uh, don't know uh, the, the uh, runaway groom went out to L.A. or something, we don't know. But uh, that's not right. You shouldn't do that. Come on, show up for your own. That. I mean, I mean that seems or that just like sounds you- like a movie scene, totally
3: yeah yeah be a man and if you're not feeling it maybe like before a lot of money is spent on it mm-hmm. um or just show up there in person and say it face to face i can't go through with this anything but what he did would probably be the way to go
1: there you go kelly great catching up with you we'll talk again down the road thank you so much
3: no problem i'll see y'all
1: kelly hines tulsa world uh, telling us about jackson player And the player who didn't show up for his own wedding. Man, that is, that's a Lincoln-Riley move, is it not, Parker, right there? That almost kind
2: of transcends the Lincoln-Riley, like not showing up to your own
1: wedding. Or or basically showing up and saying, well, I'm leaving, guys. You know, I know I said I wasn't going to LSU, but guess what? I'm not marrying you either. Goodbye. Sheesh. I I know. Crazy, huh? What a world. What a world we live in. All right, we'll break right here. we got to talk a little uh, Oklahoma basketball. The Sooners, uh, pretty good showing against Baylor last night. We'll hear from Porter Moser when we get back. Steelman and Thune together again. Well, not really together. I'm home. Parker's in studio. But we're coming back. We'll talk some Sooner hoops up next. This is your home
0: for Sooner fans. The ref sports radio network.
1: Today. Hey Porter, hey Porter, would you tell me the time? How much longer will it be to we cross that Mason Dixon line? At daylight, would you tell that in uh, that's never gonna get old? Little Hey, hey porter, Porter Moser and the Sooners lose in Waco last night at number one Baylor, eighty-four to seventy-four. Uh, Oklahoma shot 77% from the floor in the first five minutes of the game and trailed by seven. I mean, Baylor was on fire, too. The Sooners... Shoot 67% for the first half and they trail by 10 at halftime. They lose by 10, 84, 74. Oklahoma outscored 19 to nothing in second chance points. Baylor is now 120 in a row. That's a really good basketball team. The defending That's the best national basketball champions. team,
2: Mike. Yeah. That is and the and best you, team in the country and it's not close. And I was very impressed by the final You think about what they lost
1: to? Yeah, me too. You think about what Baylor lost from last year's squad and what they still are? <laughs> Scott Drew's done an amazing job at baylor and there was there was a group of people out there that thought you know for a while scott drew <laughs> baylor's not going to go anywhere they can't win big with scott drew they can win a bunch of games but can they win the whole thing and the answer was yes uh the sooners will play iowa state coming up this weekend five o'clock on espnu iowa state off to a great start at 12 and one they're only lost to baylor uh again at home last weekend. Let's hear from Porter Moser on uh, his team's performance in Waco against the Bears, the number one Bears last night.
0: Fight. I saw that and I saw that we, it wasn't looking like we were trying to get 10 point shots. I thought we stayed with our offense. We stayed trying to guard possession by possession. I thought we realized there's more time left,
1: you know, um, and you know sometimes you can get down like that and all of a sudden you start pressing and your shot selection goes down the tube, but you you just go away from what you're doing i thought we stayed with what we were doing i thought we were having really good possessions offensively even some of our misses and i thought we were guarding possession of possession we battled back in and um you know we forced 17 turnovers um we did some good things um you know there's gonna be teachable moments on both sides of the ball and the 18 to nothing disparity on the glass, so like those, those off the free throws, we talked about how good they're on the free throws and um, they're relentless. They're relentless with size and athletic ability and heart. Yeah, that's an excellent uh, Baylor team, no doubt. I'm with you, Parker. I do think uh, they are clearly the best team in the country, but the Sooners accounted well for themselves. You know, that is a very well coached, well drilled basketball team uh and i'm not saying they don't have some players they they have some players but they don't have baylor uh level talent yet they were able to hang with baylor in fact they had cut it to five late in the game so i thought the sooners uh again handled themselves well last night it'll be interesting to see uh you know what the crowd's like and how they'll fare against iowa state coming up this weekend
2: again mike baylor is the best basketball team in the nation and it's really not close. So for Oklahoma to go on the road and give them all they could handle for about 38 minutes of that basketball game was very, very impressive. And I tweeted it last night after the game ended, and I'll repeat it here. This, this Oklahoma basketball team is not elite. Not yet, anyway. But they are really, really good. And if they keep playing the way that they're playing on both ends of the floor – they're going to win a lot of basketball games in Big Twelve play, and they're going to be a really tough out come March.
1: Yeah, I'm with you, Porter Moser. Home run higher. I think we all thought that uh, at the time. What a great get for Joe Castiglione, and let's not forget about Jenny Baranchek. She has been unbelievable with the Sooner women. They play a big game. They have Iowa State tonight, the number 12 team in the country. Six o'clock at the LNC. The Sooners recently broke in to the uh, top 25 at number 23, and they're playing exciting, fun, up and down the court, basketball. Uh, Fans need to get out there. If you can, check out that game tonight. If you can, it's on Fox Sports Southwest on Cox, that is uh, Channel 715, uh, tonight, 6 o'clock, Lloyd Noble Center, the OU women taking on Iowa State. And, again, Jenny Baranchek, also a tremendous hire. Uh, Cowboys lost to Kansas last night, 74-63. Remember, Kansas missed its last 20 shots of the first half, and uh, that game was tied at 29 apiece, and Oklahoma State's got a pretty good history beating Kansas at Gallagher-Iba, but the problem was the Jayhawks shot 70% in the second half. David McCormick came to life, 17 points, 15 rebounds. Isaac Likely for Oklahoma State, 16 points and 12 boards for OSU, but uh, Kansas wins the game 74-63. And uh, I tell you what, man, Oklahoma State, not a good shooting team. They're having offensive issues when they can't get out and run, particularly uh, when the Cowboys have to set up in the half court. They just don't shoot the ball well. Uh, You know, Mike Boynton and the Pokes got the bad news and the ridiculous news from the NCAA about not being able to play in the tournament. But, man, those wins are not easy in the Big 12. And you're looking at an Oklahoma State team now. If they don't get better, this team – you know, uh, is going to finish with a losing record because I, I don't see any way uh, without a dramatic improvement that Oklahoma State can finish 500 in the league. Well, it's hard uh, not I, to, I, to be demoralized
2: not, 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 when that's how you kick off your season. No, right. By you're finding right. out that that you're ticky-tack right. NCAA infraction is going to end was up getting ridiculous. banned from the postseason. I mean, that's a whole can of worms in and of itself, but... Yeah, again, it's really hard to get up to play basketball and get up for games when you have that hanging over your head.
1: I'm with you. And everybody uh, likes Mike Boynton a lot, uh, no doubt about it. Let's hope – you know, I want to see the Cowboys play some better basketball, but offensively they've been really challenged so far, no doubt. And, look, it is Kansas, number six in the country – But uh, we'll see uh, if the Cowboys can kind of ride the ship here. But uh, Sooners lose 84-74 in Waco last night. Sooner women hosting Iowa State tonight, 6 o'clock. Again, Jenny Baranchek has been unbelievable. That's a team that deserves a a good crowd tonight for a top 25 matchup. Number 23, Oklahoma. And number 12, Iowa State, 6 o'clock tonight at the Lloydville Center. All right, we'll break right here, top of the hour, another hour to go, a lot more Sooner conversation, and we'll get to all of your texts coming up next here on The Ref. Keep it here.
0: It's time for the Steelman and Thune at noon with Mike Steely and Parker Thune. Hit the guys up on the Law Offices of Rod Polston, Oklahoma Tax Resolution Line at 405-329-9000. Or shoot the guys a text on the Air Comfort Solutions text line at 405-651-3439. Live from the Brown O'Haver Studios, here's Mike Steely and Parker Thune.
1: On a Wednesday, welcome in. Thank you for joining us, and uh, thanks to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, sponsoring our second hour here on Steel Man and Thune. Exit 72 in Paul's Valley for a great deal on a vehicle from the Seth Wadley Auto Group. Oil changes, engines for life on new or used gas or diesel at no additional cost. Thank you for sponsoring our second hour, again, here on the REF. Would you like to go to the Super Bowl? Is that a bucket list event for you? I mean, you're thinking, man, that's a costly venture. I'd love to go to the Super Bowl, but I don't know that I can afford a trip to the Super Bowl. Well, go on out to Riverwind Casino, participate in the Super Points and Super Plays promotion. Through uh, January 29th, the top wildcard members who earn the most points on Gaming Capital Group Machines, the specified Gaming Capital Group Machines, will win Super Bowl trip prizes, including airfare, hotel stay, ground transportation, and two tickets to the 2022 Super Bowl in Los Angeles, valued at $23,000 plus $1,000 in cash. That's a heck of a deal. So you could get to the Super Bowl courtesy of our friends at Riverwind Casino in the Super Points and Super Plays promotion Happening right now at Riverwind, simply the best. Okay, Uh, let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, Parker Thune, at 405-651-3439. And uh, let's see uh, see what the fans
2: have to say. One of our fans says, every time you, addressing me, every time I say Mike, we drink a sip of coffee at work. I didn't really. Do
1: I say your name that often, Mike? I guess I didn't realize that. I guess you do. Now now that's going to be stuck in the back of my head. They're highly caffeinated, I guess. At least they're not (laughs) drinking rock and roll tequila or anything and passed out over at the workplace. I mean, that's for when you get home from work. We we certainly want to promote rock and roll tequila, just not maybe in the workplace. (laughs) We all have. You know, it's always there's. I don't know. We we all get hung up on a catchphrase or something, but I haven't noticed it that much. But if they like coffee, that's a good thing, right?
2: I mean, hey, if you're drinking coffee and tequila together, I mean, I'm mm-hmm. sure that's a thing. I'm not. I'm not a coffee person or a tequila person. But uh, you don't drink
1: any coffee at all. No, I don't actually. Have you ever had a cup of coffee?
2: I've never had a full cup of coffee. Like wow, I've tasted, I just I just don't like coffee. Like. I have never been able to drink a cup of coffee. That's just me. Mm. I understand that coffee is a phenomenon of its own, and I'm very much in the minority here. But
1: you transferred in from BYU, didn't you?
2: <laughs> I tell you what, I'd probably fit right in out there now, wouldn't I?
1: <laughs> no coffee and no tequila. Yeah. Well, you know. Um... I was never a huge coffee drinker until I started doing morning radio, which I did for, you know, almost 25 years. And uh, it is it is needed very much. So I usually go uh, now, you know, I'll go for coffee with a little hazelnut creamer and some Splenda. That's how I roll. But hazelnut I drink, I drink way too much caffeine.
2: <laughs> hazelnut is a
1: good flavor. I'll say It that, is a good plan. flavor. I like it quite a bit. So anyway, but... Parker, you are, I, I'm saying, if you were up, like, to be a Supreme Court uh, judge, you know, one of the nominees, they couldn't find anything that you ever done. It's like, this guy, we're trying to vet him, sir. We don't want this guy on the court, but he hasn't even had a cup of coffee in his life.
2: Ugh, He's going to get confirmed.
1: Clean.
2: Oh, man. Back to the Air Covered Solutions text line. Uh, One of our listeners points out, I don't think Gabriel has signed yet. Yes, we addressed this yesterday. Um, I'll say it again for those that weren't tuned in yesterday. But transfers don't sign national letters of intent. Right. So Mm -hmm. technically, they are not bound to an institution, I suppose, until they're enrolled in classes. So that was the reason why on the first day of classes at UCLA, Dylan Gabriel was able to pull a flippity flop on everyone and say, nope, actually, I'm going to Oklahoma. So I I, 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 I guess Dylan Gabriel isn't locked and loaded with the Oklahoma Sooners until classes begin. but. Again, the expectation is that he will be a Sooner when the team opens up uh, winter workouts and spring practices.
1: And you still think that is also, if Caleb Williams decides he's staying, what do you put the percentage at that Gabriel stays at OU?
2: I still think Gabriel stays at OU because, like like we've said many a time, I think his initial objective when he got into the portal was to reunite with Jeff Lebby, and there wasn't a clear path to make that happen until Caleb Williams decided to enter the portal. And then you saw the way that Dylan Gabriel phrased his announcement. He's as aware as anybody that there's a chance mm-hmm. that Caleb Williams is back in an Oklahoma uniform. I think that's a gamble he's willing to take. If it costs him a year and he's got to ride the bench, fine. He can also take a red shirt. That's not something he's used yet. So at the end of the day, I think Dylan Gabriel is in an Oklahoma uniform one way or another come the fall of twenty two. Uh, one of our listeners says, "What will be the reaction of Sooner Nation if Caleb comes back? Will he be accepted with open arms,
1: you or know, will he be chastised question.
2: for going into the portal?"
1: I was going to ask you. I, I had this written down. This guy should be hosting uh, for the next segment. Is because Caleb Williams, uh, you know, particularly with the, uh, the the students, obviously they were the ones who were chanting his name uh, during the West Virginia game, right? And they love him some Caleb Williams. I, I think uh, uh, Sooner fans love this kid. There's no doubt about it. Now, are they worried? And are some of them, you know, you're going to get some of the older generation out there, by God, let him go where to be here. I live through the Dust Bowl and all that stuff, you know? Uh, <laughs> but at the same time, uh, it's going to be interesting. I, I, I mean, they. I think, Parker, that. They're still going to love it. And they'll be happy about it, but they may be a little bit leery. Like if you've had a girlfriend go flirt with somebody else, and she comes back and says, "I'm totally committed to you," you're kind of be going to be looking at her differently. Like, ah, okay, all right, you know. I don't know. What do you think? What do you think the reaction will be?
2: I think, on the whole, like in an, in a general sense, he'll be welcomed back with open arms because. What he did for the university and for the football program over the second half of the 2021 season is irreplicable, right? Nobody is ever going to forget, in particular, the performance that he had in the Red River Showdown and the biggest moment of his life on the football field against the Texas Longhorns. Caleb Williams' status in Sooner Lore is secure, whether or not he comes back, because that will always be remembered as one of the greatest games in the history of this program. So, I think there's always going to be... You know, the as the old adage goes, the squeaky wheel gets the grease, right? And so there's always going to be a squeaky wheel in this uh, circumstance. And there's al- always going to be a vocal minority making noise. and you know, he doesn't really want to be here. It's all about the money, kind of like you were just saying, Mike. But the reality is what Caleb Williams brings to the football field and, everything that he's done for the university in terms of his recruiting efforts and in terms of his leadership and his performance on the field, I can't imagine there's going to be an overly widespread sense of distaste for Caleb Williams coming back.
1: Yeah, I don't think distaste at all. I do think there will be some people maybe who don't quite have the, you know, the going from 10 out of 10 to 8 out of 10 or whatever. And I agree his place in Sooner history is secure, and a lot of that is the plays that he made. Um, for instance, there was an interesting question on Twitter the other day. Why do Sooner fans, you know, they seem to be so much more into Baker Mayfield than Kyler Murray? Is it a race thing? and you know and it was some guy that wasn't even in Oklahoma in the state of Oklahoma and uh, i'm thinking the reason was baker did it longer baker did it for 3 years right kyler was 1 year i don't think that means that people you know i think most oklahoma fans would tell you that kyler murray is the uh, is a better quarterback than baker mayfield even at the season he had uh, because he's a phenomenal athlete. I remember when Baker left. Oh, they'll be fine, man. They've got the greatest athlete, you know, one of the best, at, probably the best <laughs> athlete in America, you know, at quarterback. And uh, But I, I think because they have more to remember Baker by because they had more time with Baker, I think it's pretty much that simple.
2: Zane in Tulsa says Kayla Williams didn't create the situation, the short sighted NCAA did. And Caleb did Oklahoma and recruiting a favor by waiting until after the bowl game, which I agree hundred percent with, mm-hmm. right? No, we are I not in guess. this situation yeah. and Caleb Williams is not in this situation. If the NCAA had put a little bit more foresight into the procedures involving the transfer portal and NIL and all that good stuff. And we talked about it at length yesterday, Mike, but what it boils down to, ultimately, is that there needs to be widespread change procedurally across college football, and until yeah. that happens, stuff like this is going to happen every single offseason. Caleb Williams will not be the last high-profile player, nor will he be the highest-profile player, I think, to enter the transfer portal under such circumstances as this.
1: It feels like, and this is an old reference here because, look, I'm an old man. If you ever played the game musical chairs, you know, where they start the music and you go around in circles and you try and land in the in the chair and whoever's not in the chair is left out, right? It feels like we're playing a gigantic game of that, you know, with uh, all these players going to the portal. What, 3,000 college football players? And now that number keeps increasing in the portal right now for college football only? I mean, that's a lot of movement. And I'm not trying to be the the stuck-in-the-mud, slippery slope, old fuddy-duddy here. I'm not even sure where the fuddy-duddy is, but I might be one. But, um, you know, it's just that's the world we're living in right now. But there needs to be some more uh, restrictions, and they just need to revamp things. I don't know how you do it with the NIL. Uh, You can do it, I think, much easier with the portal, uh, with the signing period again that's part of look i I hate to give mule shoe any kind of out but you know it wouldn't have been as bad had uh you know usc i'm sure is saying you know what we need you we need you before the this you know we need you now we need you now we need you now make a decision now um again oh you still got the raw into that deal but there just needs to be some changes there's I realize we're not we're not going back to leather helmets and, you know, two-platoon football or any of that. But it's just uh, th- there have got to be some modifications, I think, to this. And it's not about uh, – I'm not saying the players shouldn't get money. They absolutely should. This is America. You get what, you know, people say, man, I can't believe that guy got that deal. He's not worth that much. Yes, he is. He was worth that much to somebody. If that's what they paid him, that's what they think he's worth. So – But I'm more concerned about the uh, transfer portal and how quickly, you know, you can just boom, you're in one place one minute, and then the next season you're in another place. Um, Remember, uh, Muleshoe was always complaining about, you know, Chandler Morris and Austin Kendall and transferring within the conference. And, man, he, he had rules for players. He didn't like that when it was happening to him. But um, there just needs to be uh, – the and I don't know if the NCAA – the NCAA even seems like, man, we don't have any power anymore. What do you want us to do? We try and make a move. Greg Sankey's going to jump all over us and create his own, you know, conference. Maybe that's what needs
2: to happen. Maybe the NCAA just needs to be abolished. Maybe Mark Emmert and all the big wigs up there just need to go by the wayside and let college football exist in equilibrium. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and keep in mind the only and this is going all the way back to what 1982, I believe it was, when you could only have your games on national television like three times a year, and it was OU and Georgia in the lawsuit that changed it. That's why we're seeing you can watch any college football game you want to see, pretty much Division One, right? If you have the ESPN app and you have to watch some of those on ESPN Plus, you could still see it if you want to badly enough. And that was all a result of Oklahoma and Georgia saying, "You know, we we need to be able to control our own television schedule and rights and make money off that." This isn't a, you know, NCAA thing. So they've all, they've been outdated for so long. Uh, you know, the NCAA I'm, they probably have dial up on their computers over there. You think so? <laughs> Beep, burp, shh, you know. Uh, the, they, they they conduct their meetings in an AOL chat room. I don't know. But sounds uh, on
2: brand for Mark Emmer.
1: It does. But look, folks, the, the, the world of college football, it's it's kinda like when technology really when we got the internet and all the tech companies and the dot com craze. Technology moves at warp speed and it feels like college football is doing the same thing right now and there's nobody out there to slow it down just a little bit. All right, let's break right here. Mike Steely with you here at the COVID Casa. Yeah, still dealing with the, these stupid symptoms just keep lingering. They're almost gone, but they're still here. So that's why I'm still here. Parker back at the Brown O'Haver Studios. Good to have you with us on a Wednesday. A lot more conversation and We'll talk more sooner football when we get back here on The Ref. And
0: whatever comes up. This is your home for Sooner fans. The Ref Sports Radio Network.
1: Back with you on a Wednesday. Thanks again to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Falls Valley sponsoring our second hour here on Steelman and Thune. This question coming in off Twitter. Steely and uh, Parker, you guys... Are both OU grads and seem to be big Sooner fans. What are your top three Sooner games that you've seen? Covering OU. You want to go first, Mike, From or should I? Ricky.
2: You can go first. First off, I wouldn't classify myself as a fan just because I've been covering the team for so long that, you know, at a certain point you learn to dissociate your partiality even as an alum. So I will say I think the best games that I've ever witnessed, I mean, right there at the top, is that OU-Texas game this year. Uh, A close number two, and the game that I never thought I would witness a better game than initially, until that OU-Texas game came along, was OU-Baylor in Waco in 2019. I was there for that one, covering it. That was my first year on the OU beat. And that was about as good a football game as you could have asked for. Those two are like head and shoulders above the rest for me. You're Talking about a third, man, I'd have to give that one some thought.
1: What are your three, Mike? Let me think about my third while you go ahead. Okay. Uh, most memorable games for me uh, before I started covering the team. And, again, I, I don't cover the team as extensively as I used to because I used to be kind of also in the reporter's role where I would do post-game locker room stuff and all of that Um you know, aside from pregame shows, and we still do that, but it's more, more of a host now, and kind of a pregame host uh, as compared to a reporter. So, as a as a kid growing up, well, number one, game of the century, even though that's a loss, just all of the uh, the hype about that game. I can still remember Greg Pruitt, and I think it was Barrett Rudd for Nebraska being the cover of SI the previous week, and back then. Sports Illustrated, man, was a magazine. If you were a sports fan and a kid like me, you were running the mailbox to get every week. And it used to come on Thursdays in Norman. And I can remember my dad bringing that in, um, you know, and seeing the cover and being so fired up for that game. And I remember it was Thanksgiving Day, and we watched it at my grandma's house. And, uh, you know, we had our hearts broken when Jeff Kinney had the winning touchdown. But just how big that game was at that time. Because you didn't have the glut of games that you have on all the time now. And uh, so that would be number one for me. Number two would be the 77 OU Ohio State game in Columbus because OU going to Ohio State was huge, nationally televised game. The iconic Woody Hayes is still roaming the sidelines for Ohio State. And then Oklahoma gets out to a 20 to nothing lead. And uh, was it, it was Thomas Lott, right, that got hurt. And uh, you know, I think Dean had to come in. I think did Jay Jemerson come in, in that game too? I'm trying to remember. Anyway, OU uh, jumps out to a twenty nothing lead and it looks like it's gonna be game over, but then the quarterback situation happens for OU. Ohio State comes back, has the lead. Reggie Kenlaw recovers a fumble for OU. The Sooners get the ball back, make some plays, and then Uva von Shaman comes in and uh, you know conducting uh, the block that kick chance from the Ohio State crowd like a conductor, you know, just waving them on, and then he makes this field goal to win the game for OU. So that was number two, number three for me. I you know I guess would probably be the uh, even though it was a boring game, the 2000 uh, national championship game, uh, the the team you know that OU team that. You know, people thought they were moving in the right direction. They were pretty good. I think they were 22nd in the AP poll to start the season, somewhere in that range. And, you know, they'd won seven games the year before, Bob Stoops' first year. But that team winning a national championship with Josh Heupel at quarterback and all the miraculous games they pulled off in the Red October run and everything, uh, I would probably go with that as my third.
2: I think, and this goes back a few years, but if i if i had to pick a third game i would probably go ou tennessee in 2015 just because i mean that was the
1: beginning of baker exactly right?
2: that was where the legend of baker mayfield was born that was where sooner nation kind of collectively figured out oh this dude could be really special
1: yeah and uh you know, Muleshoe was over there, and the OU offense was struggling a little bit, and uh, they they came back, and Sterling Shepard had an incredible game. Joshua Dobbs was the quarterback for Tennessee. I'm I'm thinking a young Alvin was a young Alvin Kamara young on that Alvin team. Young Alvin Kamara, also. yep, yeah. Um, but did you get to go to that game by the way, or did you just were you watching it?
2: Oh no, shoot! I think I had a uh, what was I doing that night? I can't It might have been like a dodgeball tournament or something. Oh, really? I can't imagine what else I would have had on a Saturday night. In... You
1: and the Patches O'Houlihan. If you could dodge a wrench, <laughs> you could dodge a ball. No,
2: I think that's actually what it was, yeah. I, I played in a dodgeball <laughs> tournament that night. You beat Globo Jim Definitely, yeah. I think I'm pretty sure we won the whole thing. Regardless, because I remember (laughs) not watching the first half of that game and getting back sometime in the third quarter and just looking at the scoreboard and be like, "Oh, this this is not going how I imagined it would go."
1: I didn't get, I I didn't go to that game, uh, but I I I heard from the OU fans that was a pretty amazing experience with the Vol Navy and uh, Nealon Stadium and everything. It was a good experience, and of course, it's always a better experience when your team wins the game. Uh, By the way, dodgeball, Parker, I don't know in elementary school and, like, I I guess we played it up until, like, 8th grade in PE. We would play some dodgeball. Maybe it was 7th grade. But dodgeball, while a fun game, also showed you, again, where you were on the social pecking order within your school. (laughs) That's very true. So, now, luckily, I was one of the cool kids, of course. But it was so bad because, I mean, we were much crueler back in my day. We really were. Now, I want to apologize, too. But, and look, I got knocked out a couple times myself because it used to be jocks versus jocks at the end. And, you know, little Timmy over there who's, you know, really serious about his academics and spending all the time in the library. And he's got, let's go after four-eyes, you know. And little Timmy was weighing, I don't know, maybe 65 pounds. And when they blow that whistle and everybody runs to pick up their dodgeball, and then little Timmy's over there trying his best to hide, and there's a barrage of dodgeballs coming in his direction. It was like a blitzkrieg. Boom. And I remember one guy, it wasn't me, was not me. Will not name any names. Danny Drawn. I'm gonna try and knock his glasses <laughs> off. And I mean, was it the same way for you with Dodgeball?
2: Uh see I th- I, th- I think my like most vivid memories with Dodgeball are just, like, getting on – we because we, it was all, like, free sign-up for these tournaments that would ha- – Oh, like, okay. It, was, so, it would be
1: like these – So you didn't have little Timmy who had no choice but to participate.
2: Exactly, exactly. So, like, all my baseball teammates and I would get together, and we would jump on the same team and just go in there and dominate. Like, generally, we were pretty unstoppable. Like, we were the jocks that were unloading on all the 65-pound little Timmy's. But – I don't know. There came a point. And then what happened was I pulled a Baker Mayfield uh, m- my senior year of high school and tore my labrum. So after that, I was pretty useless.
1: Hmm. Wow. So uh, but you would say your dodgeball skills were pretty good.
3: But they were. I remember they were. it was
1: bad because I felt really bad. Now, of course, back at the time I didn't, but now if you're the little runt kid and you're in P.E. and you don't even want to be in P.E., you'd rather be in the library. And then all of a sudden, dodgeball today's, fellas. You're thinking, oh, my gosh, no. You should be able to opt out of dodgeball. I'm sure in our wimpy society we have right now where you can't knock a kid's glasses off without getting in trouble because of the liberals, right? You can probably opt out of dodgeball. Dodgeball makes us all tougher. (laughs) Oh, crazy. Crazy game back in the day. A lot of fun, though. We always look forward to it. Yes. Here we go. And you always wanted to get the small dodgeball because you could fire that like Nolan Ryan. You know what I'm saying? So those were the days back then, let me tell you. All right, we'll take a break right here. Steel Man and Thune on the Ref Radio Network, home of Sooner fans. And uh, we'll keep it right here and get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line when we get back.
0: This is your home for Sooner Fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network.
1: All right. I'm sorry, but I have my mic off there as I clear my throat coming back. Our friend uh, Kendall on uh, Twitter, Tyler, asking uh, this question. Hey, Steely on sports, what's wrong with the kid who wants to be in the library? I enjoyed all the Sports Illustrated magazines. I always got the smallest ball when we played. Shout out to Mrs. Irwin and Mr. Clark. I didn't say there was anything wrong with the kid in the library. I said, you know, little Timmy is the kid who would rather be in the library. You know. Shout-out, thoughts-out to little Timmy out there who didn't want to play dodgeball. And I get it. If I would have been his size at the time and I would have been, you know, more studious, I would have been wanting to be in the library too. I'm just saying you always had the kid who would rather have been in the library, who was forced into playing dodgeball in a PE class, and then all the cruise missiles came in his direction, which wasn't fair. wasn't fair at all, but life's not fair. All right, Air Comfort Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Parker, we can get back there. What was the first OU football game, by the way, that you covered?
2: First game that I covered, let me think here. I guess that would have been – I guess it wouldn't have been until 2019, so – I remember I was I didn't cover the opener against Houston, so it would have been that second game of the season which would have been South Dakota.
1: Wow. South Dakota, I forgot that that was uh that was a team on the schedule.
2: Yeah, that was the uh that was the day that Spencer Rattler made his OU debut, if I recall correctly.
1: That's right. Golly, who would have thought, you know, the Spencer Rattler story would end up like it did, right? Well,
2: to be fair, who would have imagined that any of what happened in 2021 would have happened? Like, to have two five-star quarterbacks on the same roster, both earning six starts over the course of the season, and then both ending up at the transfer portal at season's end after they both were receiving Heisman odds at one point during the year. Mm-hmm. Like that's bizarre. That is
1: legitimately bizarre. It is, no doubt about it. Uh, my first, because I was asked this on Twitter too. My first game that I covered, uh, as you know, uh, I was well. I guess I was. I was on the job. It was. I was right there in the same building we're in at the rep now, which, which was then KNR Radio, and I was part of our team. Uh, doing a pregame, and basically I was the equipment, and I got to talk for a couple, you know, a segment. And uh, so I was actually working, but it was a game that Oklahoma lost. First game out of the box in 1982, Oklahoma played West Virginia in Norman. West Virginia had a quarterback by the name of Jeff Hostetler, who would later go on to a Super Bowl victory. With the Giants, and they beat Oklahoma. I think it was like forty-two twenty-eight by two touchdowns that day. And they also had Darry, Darryl Tally, who was the um, who would go on and play linebacker for the Buffalo Bills. Some of their great uh, teams that made all those runs and lost all the Super Bowls. But that was a West Virginia team that came into Norman and beat the Sooners on opening day in uh, nineteen eighty-two. And that team ended up uh, eight and four. And uh, that would have been the uh, game, the season that ended with Marcus Dupree uh, rushing for a million yards, but Oklahoma losing to Arizona State in the uh, Fiesta Bowl.
2: I believe that's still the Oklahoma Bowl record for rushing yards, if I recall correctly, that is. Marcus Dupree against Arizona State. By the way, Mike... Yeah, uh, go ahead. Timmy via the Air Comfort Solutions text line says, "My name is Timmy and I hated the library. I resent the comments, steel
1: man." <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Timmy, we can call him Myron, whatever. I was just thinking of Timmy from uh, South Park, you know. That's all. Timmy, I'm glad you enjoyed dodgeball. Thank you very much. So, uh so anyway, yeah, and speaking of controversy, I mean, we've had uh, uh, this OU situation, the whole thing's been a soap opera. I mean, it seems like since the end of Bedlam, right? Everything has been crazy. But I can remember the summer after Oklahoma played in that Fiesta Bowl game. And Marcus Dupree, again, had the the bowl record, and you think he still holds it. But – and Dupree was sensational. I still think Marcus Dupree, pound for pound, and this includes Adrian Peterson, Billy Sims, all the great Oklahoma running backs, could have been the best. That's why they had the 30 for 30, the best that ever was. And he was sensational. I mean, it's basically like having Lawrence Taylor running a 4-4, playing running back. You know, he was huge. He was fast. He could run away from you, run over you. Um But Switzer, the king, after the game, oh, hell, Marcus could have had 260 if he'd been in shape, you know, that kind of deal. Um, And Dupree, I think he got his feelings hurt. And so Marcus Dupree, during that summer, ends up on the cover of Sports Illustrated and basically the cover story, uh, Google it up, Marcus Dupree, SI cover. They're probably, I think he had multiple. But one of them where it's basically, it was Doug Looney who wrote the article, I'm almost positive, that said, Marcus Dupree, can he coexist with his coach? And this was before, you know, he came back. I still remember being there at Jacobs Field where, you know, the OU players are reporting and it took a while for Marcus to show up. The word was, well, maybe Marcus Dupree isn't going to show up for his sophomore year. And then Dupree finally shows up and, You know, Switzer's doing his thing, posing for the cameras, puts his arm around Dupree, and I can still hear him say, oh, hell, I think we're enemies. Hell, let's get a picture together, you know, and they're both smiling. And and then Dupree, you know, ends up leaving after the Texas game in the 83 season. But that was a huge controversy. Marcus Dupree is on the cover of Sports Illustrated, and the story is, can he get along with his coach? You know, will he stay at Oklahoma? I don't know. Maybe that's a forerunner to – caleb williams and i I don't think it's the fact that caleb williams doesn't get along with anybody and look dupree and switzer maybe they uh, dupree was getting horrible advice back in the day from his handler uh kenneth Fairley, i believe was his name back in the day so he ended up leaving the ou football team and i remember people panicking man they had the best running back in america what's going to happen and then uh you know a few years later they won a national championship everything was just fine but that was a controversy. Caleb Williams is a totally different situation. This is all about lo- looking at your opportunities. And I think that, again, you can give him, or well, you can give any kid a pass on this now, but particularly Caleb Williams came to the University of Oklahoma to play for and in Mule Shoe system. And he's not here anymore. That's not a knock on Jeff Levy or Brent Venables. I just think that's reality. And look, he may decide, you know what? Oklahoma is the best situation for me. So do you think – I know there's some Sooner fans who aren't going to give him a pass at all, but I do because of that. Don't you, Parker? I mean – I do, and
2: I hope I hope Caleb Williams is welcomed back with open arms by everybody. I know that's probably unrealistic, but the reality is the kid has gone about this situation in – mature fashion and about as professionally as it could have been handled by a 20-year-old kid, right? Like, he waited till after the bowl game. He didn't bounce immediately. He played out the remainder of the season with his guys. He gave everything a week to settle down. He announced, look, I'm still very open to staying at OU, but we all come to college to find our path. Mine was disrupted by all the change, and I want to get in the transfer portal and explore my options. I'm really not sure what more Caleb Williams could have done or how he could have gone about this better than the way he has. And I'm impressed with the kid, and regardless of whether he's back at Oklahoma or not, he's going to be somebody that I hope Sooner fans will root for elsewhere. Like, say he goes to UCLA or Notre Dame or Michigan. I I would hope and I would expect, too, that – Sooner fans aren't going to begrudge him for the way that this whole situation has transpired because really it all comes back to one man, Mike, and that's Muleshoe. If Muleshoe doesn't do what he did in the manner that he did it, none of this happens.
1: Yeah, uh, Muleshoe is the typhoid Mary of this virus here. Not the COVID virus, but he started it. And uh, like I said, I don't think Oklahoma fans are ever going to root for Lincoln Riley and you know, maybe his closest friends who really, really knew him. But, I, and look... It- it's the era. It's the age of social media. There are going to be some people taking shots at him, and the sad reality of that is some of the people, like on Twitter or Instagram or whatever, are going to take a few shots at Kayla Williams just to get a reaction and get likes or get even to get ratio, just to get some attention. Because that's what we live in. Everybody's the class clown, or everybody needs the spotlight on them. That's what social media is um, about, to a large extent. So there'll be some of that. But I I think uh, a lot of Oklahoma fans will root for Caleb Williams. I really think they will. I know I will. Um, You know, I also hope he comes back, but we'll see. All right, uh, when we get back, let's talk a little uh, sooner basketball and uh, comment on – we keep playing the Teddy promo where he's talking about the NIL and the transfer portal. And I like what he's saying. We'll talk about that when we get back here on The Ref.
0: This is your home for Sooner Fans, the Ref Sports Radio Network.
1: All right, welcome back. Little Bob Dylan coming back. Golly, how old is Dylan now? He's got to be 80. Right, I'm gonna. I'm gonna put the. Uh, I'm gonna. I'm gonna guess 82. Bob Dylan Wiki. Now I'm curious. Dylan is. He's 80. No, he's right at 80. Right at 80. What a songwriter! What a songwriter! And I think I've watched just about every Bob Dylan documentary there is. So. I did uh, tweet out the picture of that 80, it was 1983 after the 82 season, but it was dated, the SI photo, which I tweeted out, uh, June 20th of 1983, and the cover was Clash of Wills at Oklahoma, Heisman hopeful, Marcus Dupree, can he coexist with his coach? And uh, I got a message from our buddy Dave Sittler up in Tulsa, and uh, Dave, you know, was, was covering the team at that time, and he, I'll just reword it, I remember Switzer totally lost his feces when that Looney story came <laughs> out in SI. I changed one word. Yes. I and, wonder which uh, word
2: you changed.
1: Dave was saying that um, he, he doesn't think that Barry Switzer I may have never talked to Doug Looney again for that kind of what, what a lot of people thought was a hit piece, but Dupree did leave. Dupree did leave, and Marcus is very much back in the Sooner fold in the Sooner family. And uh, he just—he was a kid who got, who got a lot of bad advice. If you've seen the Thirty for Thirty, you know what I'm talking about. But a phenomenal talent, phenomenal talent. All right, Parker, you want to get a few uh, texts in before? By the way, I want to remind everybody tonight: uh, if you have a chance, you want to see a good, exciting basketball team play. Jenny Baranchek's OU women. Man, they are playing great, number 23 in the country, taking on 12th-ranked Iowa State, 6 o'clock at the LNC tonight. And two uh, so-far Grand Slam hires by uh, Joe Castiglione with Porter Moser and Jenny Baranchek, big time. All right, Parker, uh, we've got a couple minutes left. We also have the Thunder in action tonight, playing the Minnesota Timberwolves at uh, 7 o'clock tonight. And by the way, last night the Lakers won a game. When something very bizarre happened. Oh, that's, that's beyond bizarre, Mike. Russell Westbrook didn't have a turnover. I he never thought I'd live a to see the day. And the Lakers beat Sacramento by eight. Buddy Heal dropped 26 in that game. But Russ had 19.7 rebounds, and I think it was six assists and zero turnovers. How about that? All right, if you want to get a text or two in, we can do that.
2: Let's see what we, we got, got via just- the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Mule Shoe hates dodgeball.
1: <laughs> well. <laughs> oh, maybe man. we can make that
2: happen. Maybe that can uh, can find some way to get the, on the dodgeball. Court. The OU uh, staff versus
1: the the SC staff in dodgeball.
2: <laughs> yeah, give me Brent Venables all day in that
1: matchup. Oh, Shoe would be running. Are you kidding me? Come on, man. One of our listeners it- says, OU football
2: fans, and I think this is a pretty good evaluation of the situation. OU football fans hate the feeling that OU isn't good enough. For Muleshoe to go Steinbeck to California, and now Caleb intends to enter the portal, it's just a slap in the face to OU fans. They want players and coaches that want to be at Oklahoma because we are passionate about our OU football.
1: One- 100% 100% agree with that. Uh, there's still a little bit in our DNA, uh, you know, from uh, all the, the Okies heading out to California, and they were made fun of, and uh, the grapes of wrath and all that. But most of all, uh, so many fans here, you know, live through OU football, and they don't like anybody telling them that OU football is not quite good enough for me. And that's, that's how a lot of them feel. You know, link uh, mule shoe saying better up, you know, for my family and all this. Okay, whatever. But most people don't hear that and don't buy that. They they take it personally. They take it very personally. I 100 percent agree with that take. We don't have time to talk about Teddy's take, but I, I will tell you that I agree, unless we change some things, uh, and we're, we're going to have to. People are going to start to sour on college football if we have this kind of stuff happening for, you know, two, three, four, four more years. I'm not saying it's going to be, you know, ruined. I'm not saying that they're not going to watch. But eventually, this is a sour taste for a lot of people. And, you know, there needs to be some changes made. And the NIL is going to be tough. And, again, I'm not saying the kids shouldn't be paid. They absolutely 100% should. But uh there's got to be a little more structure and feel like there's somebody who's got a grasp on this you can't cap money for kids or anything like that i'm not talking about that but just with these instantaneous microwave transfers from one place to another eventually the fans are going to start to tire of that and we we better start thinking about the future of college football and i'm talking way down the road at least a decade down the road but uh, it can't continue on this path and be as popular as it has been for so long, in my opinion. So I think Teddy's Teddy's right on that take. All right. Uh, Parker's got another hour, along with uh, Tyler McComas, coming up. And uh, we want to thank our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley for sponsoring our second hour. I love oil changes. Engine changes for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost. Also, get on out to Riverwind and take part in the Super Points and Super Plays promotion. Play the Gaming Capital Group Machines to win a Super Bowl trip valued at $23,000. Take us to the game, airfare, hotel stay. Take us to the game again, plus $1,000 cash. Have a great Wednesday. We'll see you.